intuitive eating for the culture because I like my vegetables, just not unseasoned. Hey guys, it's your host, Christina Johnson, a registered dietitian based in Dallas, Texas, an intuitive eater, a girl who loves coffee and avocados, and your inside source on intuitive eating. So when I found intuitive eating, it looks like, okay, this is great. This is something that I can get on board with, but why is everybody white? And why is everybody thin? Now, I've come to terms with the fact that that's just the face of intuitive eating, but that's not actually all the people that eat intuitively. And it works very well for different cultures. It's designed to be inclusive, even if it does not appear inclusive on the cover. For this first episode, I really just want to lay the groundwork here. What is intuitive eating? And more importantly, what it isn't. Because intuitive eating is not another diet. It's not keto. It's not paleo. It's not Weight Watchers. It's not a diet. It is leaving diets behind. It is finding freedom and putting food back in its place. It's freeing up your mind to think about other things aside from food and your body. Because let's just be honest, food's not that important. It's great. It works in social situations. It fuels us for the day. But that's not all we're designed to do. That's not all we're designed to be. And so intuitive eating puts food back in its place where it's a part of your life, but it's not your whole life. So I want to start by going through each of the principles of intuitive eating, and then we'll kind of work our way through as we go. And and I want this to always be an open conversation, a dialogue, because this isn't just me talking at you. This is us having a conversation, because any great lesson evolves out of a conversation. It's that that uncomfortable space where you're like, "Mm, I don't know. But thinking about it and having a chance to really mull over it is where all the growth happens. So here we go. The first principle is rejecting the diet mentality. Principle number two is honor your hunger. Principle three, make peace with food. Principle four, challenge the food police. Five is feel your fullness. Six is discover the satisfaction factor. Seven is cope with your emotions without using food. Eight is respect your body. Nine is exercise, feel the difference. And 10 is honor your health with gentle nutrition. I would like to start by saying that these are in a specific order for a specific reason. You cannot really be an intuitive eater until you let go of diet culture. And I'm sure you're probably wondering, Christina, what is diet culture? I'll explain. Diet culture is, it is the system that we live in. It's the belief that you can tell someone's health based on their body size. It's the belief that foods have moral value, that they are good or bad, clean or dirty. It is the thought that weight is synonymous with health, that if I am a certain weight, I am now healthy. And those things could not be further from the truth. Food does not have moral value. It does not talk back. It cannot make decisions. Food is not clean, it's not dirty, unless your food like literally has dirt on it, in which case I would probably suggest that you run it under some water, you know, because nobody's out here trying to eat dirt. And weight is not synonymous with health. You can have health at any size. But essentially, it's not the size of your body that determines your health. It is the decisions that you make every day. It is the way that you take care of yourself. It is gently nourishing yourself and moving your body in a way that feels good, but also resting when you need to rest because we all need rest. We are designed to need rest. And so I just, I want to remind you that I have a lot of compassion for you and I've also been there. 
I have not always been an intuitive eater. We're all born intuitive eaters, right? A baby knows when it's hungry and it knows when it's full. And you can't really override that system for a long time until they're about ages like one or two. And then we can start overriding that system. And that's really what happens here is that at that point, we start to override the system. It's like if you're on your computer and your computer freezes and you hit control, alt, delete, you're overriding that computer system's functionality and telling it, no, I know what I want you to do. And so that's what we do to our bodies when we ignore that hunger sign or we ignore that fullness. We override the system and we tell it, I don't trust you. Because that's really what you're saying is that I don't trust you. And I want you guys to be able to find that trust in your body to know that, oh, my body knows what it's doing. It knows when it's doing when it needs food. It knows what it's doing when it's full, when it needs rest, when it wants to move. Because ultimately your body has that wisdom, just like you have wisdom. You've gone through life. You've learned things. So... Let's go on this journey together. And if at any point in time you have questions, feel free to reach out to me. You can email me at encouragingdietitian at gmail.com. You can check out my website, encouragingdietitian.com. You can follow me on Instagram, on Twitter, on Pinterest. All of those are some variation of Encouraging Dietitian. Twitter and Pinterest are both Encouraging RD and Instagram is Encouraging Dietitian. And there I share more about intuitive eating, what that looks like in real life, different ways to really love your body because it's the only one you're going to get. Let's keep it real, right? It changes as we go through life. My body's not the same now as it was 10 years ago, but ultimately it's still the same body. It's still me. And the, the way that we take care of it is what gives it that longevity. The way that we give it rest when it needs to, fuel it when it needs it, that is how we get that longstanding health that we can I can go to my great grandma's 90th birthday and have her dance. She might be on a walker, but she's dancing, right? I want that. I want to be able to have that longevity to see generations, multiple generations of people that came from me because I took care of myself and not because I put myself on some super restrictive diet for a week, but because I really took care of myself and put food back in its place and was able to create a life outside of food that I could share with the people that I care about and the people that I love. So for the final part of this first podcast, I wanted you guys to get to know me a little bit better. The girl behind the microphone. I'm Christina, a registered dietitian and black woman in America. I was born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri on a state street, if you know, you know. From there, I went to the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville, where I got my bachelor's of science in nutrition. I then moved on to Texas Women's University in Denton, Texas, where I got my Master's of Science in Nutrition. And finally, I went to, the, to Oklahoma State University, where I completed my dietetic internship. I started my own intuitive eating journey about two, two and a half years ago, when I realized that I didn't like diets, and I thought that there had to be more. I knew that people could just were struggling to lose the weight and keep the weight off, and they always felt so guilty. And I know that I had my own food guilt and rules and regulations and rigidity about eating and social activities that involved food. And so I did what I do best and researched. I researched and researched and researched until I found intuitive eating. And it was like the skies opened up and I saw sun for the first time in what felt like forever. And from there, I went on my own journey and really worked through my own beliefs around food and what and how they sort of got there. Because we, we aren't born with these beliefs. They are a part of culture. They are a part of our culture at home and the culture at large. 
And so what I love doing is working with people on a one-on-one basis as they move through their intuitive eating journey and help them really come to terms and find peace in their relationship with food and their body and get back out to doing the things that they love, getting back into their passions and really changing the world. Because if we're being honest, we spend way too much time thinking about food. Yeah, oftentimes people spend sometimes what feels like half of their day thinking about food or thinking about their body because they're in this state where they are constantly thinking about the meal they just had, the next meal, if they need to eat less, if they need to eat more. And that's not what we're designed for. We are designed to eat when we need to and stop when we're full and to find joy and pleasure in food, but still find joy and pleasure in other areas of our life. And I want you guys to get back to that that piece of finding joy and pleasure in other areas of your life. In my own life, I find pleasure and joy in reading. I read a lot during the day. I read when I first get up. I read when I have breaks. I read before I go to bed. I like to read about psychology, nutrition, politics, things that help me understand the world around me and help me understand the people that I work with on a daily basis. When I'm not reading, I'm usually watching a funny video on YouTube And if I'm not doing that, I'm probably having coffee with a friend because I love coffee. Although I do know my limits. And after about 11 o'clock in the morning, I have to have decaf because I do actually want to go to bed. Something that most people don't know about me is that I love learning new languages. I originally took Spanish when I was like a really little kid, like I'd say like maybe six or seven. That didn't work out. But as I got further into school, I started learning French. I took French from sixth grade through 12th grade and then again as a freshman in a sophomore college. From there, I ended up teaching myself a little bit of Spanish, a little bit of Italian, some Russian, some Portuguese. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just really enjoy learning languages. And I think that that, that um, elasticity that's in our brain to help us learn new languages also really helps me understand when I'm working with clients where maybe English isn't their first language or they are equally fluent in two languages and what happens when your brain is constantly flipping back and forth between languages because part of flipping back and forth between languages is flipping back and forth between schools of thought because each culture, each language has its own philosophy and its own story and richness. So I hope that helps you understand me more as a person and I will always give you more information as we go along because this is a relationship that we're starting, right? You're listening and I'm telling you these things that you can come to me and ask me questions because this is a safe space. This is a safe space for all people. So that about wraps up our show for today. Thank you so much for listening and I can't wait to chat with you again.